0: Thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast, where we make adulting easier by making money easier. This is your host, Lauren. Please, please, please rate and review when you're done listening to this episode. And today I'm joined by Eric Bort, originally from Avon, Ohio. Eric started his company, clearly trained in 1998 at the age of 19. Over the years, both the mindset and business grew to a bit of a tipping point where freelancers no longer worked and he started hiring. Things happened, most of it magical, some of it stressful, and for 25 years, word of mouth spread, jobs were completed, and customer service was prioritized. In his spare time, Eric likes to lift weights. He also enjoys learning jazz and lounge piano, nature, and working on himself and his family dynamic. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Thanks, Lauren. Nice to be here. So today's podcast is brought to you all by House Money Media, Tom Brickman, the frugal gay, Alan Corey, real estate maximalist, and me, Lauren Keen Amon from Adulting is Easy have joined forces to launch a new generation of real estate investors by forming House Money Media. Sign up for our real estate investing courses and mentorship. Space is limited. Please take action today. Visit housemoneymedia.com. That's housemoneymedia.com real estate content with personality. So our goal for today is to make adulting easier for listeners by discussing a personal finance topic since managing money is a big part of adulting. So today, Eric, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. Great. And uh, so you started a business at 19.
1: Yeah, I I learned through, I would say, manual labor, what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy at an early age. So 12, I was working in greenhouses for probably $4 an hour. I'd make, I'd pull in a nice, uh, you know, $12 for a weekend shift in middle school. And after that, it was the coffee shop where at a, at the age of 15, I was somehow, and for some odd reason, trusted to open and close the shop, uh, interesting management (laughs) set up there.
0: The nineties were a wild
1: time you know, Hey, he's a hard worker. He does what he says. So it was that work ethic thing. So I grew up with a really solid work ethic from there, went and did factory work, did landscaping. So I kind of got all those jobs out of the way where I knew what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy. I've always, I've always enjoyed physical labor, but I now, I, these days I save that for my own personal time. Like I die inside a little bit if I don't get to mow my lawn things like that. But I choose to, it's not a high value thing, but I choose to because I get enjoyment out of it. And so when I was, I'd say 18, 17, working a summer factory job, I noticed the harder I work, the more the other labor got upset because I was breaking all their timing records in the system. I would do something in five minutes that was set up for 45 minutes. I didn't understand the dynamic or the nature of the environment so I would get I would have all these little talks inside aisles like hey what are you doing and I was getting paid 9 dollars an hour and they were getting paid 50 dollars an hour I said something's off here and so management started loading up more and more work onto my plate I'm like why is this young kid who's getting paid you know a quarter or so of what these adults are making having all this uh, workload increase and it just, it it was pretty obvious and it was like, yeah, I work hard. So obviously they're going to leverage that. They're going to give me more and more and yeah, something clicked. Okay. I don't want to do that. If I do that, I'm going to do it for myself. And so did you, so when you were in say
0: high school or maybe even younger, Mm -hmm. where did you see your life going? Did you think I'll, I'll get a factory type job and that'll be my career for 30 years? Where did you think it was going to go originally?
1: I've, it's, it's interesting because I've rarely defined specifically what I want to do. I knew I wanted to get into art. I knew I enjoyed interactive design. Both of my parents were artists, met in art school. So my mom's an art teacher. Uh, My dad was a photographer. So I was exposed to a lot of that growing up. And I, in my head, I was always headed towards art Art school, which is where I ended up going out of the Columbus College of Art and Design. And but again, I didn't I didn't mind the manual labor. I wanted to get into something that had to do with interactive media. And I'd say that was about as specific as I defined it. So what is that? That could be editing video, it could be making games, it could be doing back then like CD-ROMs and macromedia director and all these, you know, older things, authorware were in style. I even got a teaching job for about 3 or 4 months teaching all the development of that type of stuff. And yeah, just moved on. I kept I kept uh, continuously being disappointed in corporate workspaces and I just did not enjoy it. The the business casual was like kryptonite to me. I could not put it on and feel good about myself at the end of that day. I did not enjoy our commutes in traffic. There were many things that I saw and whether at like this instinctual level or not, just said, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I can't have this. It does not function with the way that I was, I guess, raised or raised aspects of myself. So there, there was that element of freedom that I was seeking that did not match a lot of aspects of that other stuff. And so I think I headed towards that self employment route, understanding that it might be a challenge. I didn't even think that way back then. It's not like I had a family to support. It may be a challenge, but. It was 98, 99. The internet was, anyone could basically go on and say they have the capability to do something and they would get hired for a job.
0: So is the freedom the best part of entrepreneurship and quote unquote, being your own boss that we hear so much about?
1: I've lived with it for so long that sometimes I lose track of what that feeling is in particular and what what, say the typical person goes through. And so I, I can still acknowledge it and recognize it. Short answer, yeah. It's, it's the ability to wake up and go on a walk. It's the ability to skip a meeting or reschedule something and no one's really going to tell you otherwise. Now, it doesn't mean you go around being rude. There's a lot about clear communication and setting things up and responsibilities. It doesn't mean you just ignore everybody and burn it all to the ground. Obviously, there is quite a bit more responsibility because when something messes up in the company, it does come back to me. And so, hiring the right people, communicating the right way, making sure that there are uh, agreements and not assumptions in everything that we do, to the best of our abilities, is really important. So, if you're not a fan of that increased responsibility, it can be a challenge. I think to make that leap, personal time management as well is probably one of the biggest things. Uh, if you if you have trouble getting started, and even to this day, I find that I I may struggle with something. It's, it could be a challenge. So it really takes a certain personality type, but there's no right, clear definition of what that personality type is. I've seen, especially on Twitter, the, the hustle bros, the, you know, make, you know, blow out your knees running as fast as you can and get up at 4.00 AM and jump in a ice bath. I don't do any of that stuff. It's not necessary, but it's, it's up to, it's up to you and your own self to figure out what gets you going in the morning.
0: My life would have to change significantly to wake up at 4 a.m.
1: Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say something
0: would have to go very wrong, but I would have to be a totally different person to start doing that.
1: Yeah, it's there's seasons for everything. I, I got up at 530 a.m. for almost a year straight, not because I was it wasn't about proving anything to anyone. I just got some really great work done and I'll knock out two, three, four pages of ideas. I'm, I'm definitely an idea person. Uh, for every hundred ideas that I have and I've written down, you know, maybe one of them even makes it onto the plate of my team and we have a discussion to move forward on it. So that's just that early morning creativity I've found is is sort of my natural state of being. If my workday ended at 9.30 a.m. I'd be in great shape. Like that's a that's a that's a goal of mine is wrap all the work days by mid morning or say 12 o'clock at the latest, because my brain's kind of done at that point. I'm ready to move on to something physical.
0: Yeah. I definitely have something similar. I mean, not that early, but I have to like work out at noon. I can't like sit there all day and not go do something.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So do you think entrepreneurship can be learned if there's all these different personality types that do it? Do you think it can be learned?
1: The environment's so unique these days. I think a lot of people are really exposed to, hey, here's, you know, here's these 10 AI tips on how to start your business and start making, there's this, this 10 grand a month thing that is so repetitively drilled into people's heads. I don't think they accurately know what success or failure looks like anymore. Oh you're doing this thing and it only took you 6 days. Okay. Well there that's it's like the marketing scheme of the second I make 10 grand I'm now teaching other people how to make 10 grand. I'm I'm kind of in the opposite camp. I've made millions and I don't feel like I'm qualified not because of imposter syndrome but it's just like do I accurately actually know how I got to where I got or were, yeah, were you documenting development- it? <laughs> <laughs> right right, right you know a lot and that's a great thing to systemize something to define something that's a lot of what I'm working on these days but I'm not about to dissect 40 years of my life and go back in time to you know childhood trauma and and sort out oh this is the one thing that led me to be the way that I am and I think it was just in general my my independence growing up I spent a lot of time by myself out in the woods building things doing stuff and just, I mean, just whatever, breaking things, blowing things up, going on adventures out in the woods, very little restraint. I think you mentioned it, kind of that 80s, 90s kid mentality of just you're free, go do your thing doesn't quite exist these days. And so I see a lot of 20-year-olds waking up, but maybe misplacing their commitment or their investment of time into those people who were like, go, 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 go leading to the 4am ice baths and all those other, all those other elements. Again, there's no right or wrong to it, but I didn't know any of that stuff existed when I was a kid. I mean, I didn't even learn about operations until two years ago. And I run (laughs) my business. And then there's some people who were like, how could you not have everything systemized or set up in this way or that way? But I'm telling you there's, there's really no right way to do it. I was very customer service focused, I had good drive and I was good at managing money from a very very early age and so I had this big safety net and backups upon backups upon backups set up in my brain to where it was re- it was fairly relaxing and stress free to run a business now it takes someone in their 40s with a full family and say go start a business and abandon your job I think they're going to have quite a bit of a different perspective on how much stress that fills their life with
0: yeah that's interesting I wonder You must be in a very small minority of people who started a business at 19 and are working on it, in it, in it and on it in their forties.
1: And and back to documenting what, what made something a success or not, I helped start a nonprofit that's still in, that's still running to this day back in 2000. I'm no longer a part of it. I was with that for 13 years. I started another company in 2010. That's still running. And I'm owner of another company and it's, and I'm not saying everything I touch is some wild success. It's just, it's, it's like that base level competency or intuition seem to have gotten me pretty far. I used to be one of those like fake it till you make it type of people. It's like, as long as you show up and you're doing your best, you don't necessarily need to follow some rigid plan because a lot of times those best laid plans, the second something alternative comes into play or something branches off, you're so married to that plan that it's it's massively disruptive. It's like, well, hey, I thought it was supposed to go this way. And I thought if I just followed these steps, then I'd get success. And maybe that's why my ability to wing it and just roll with whatever happens, happens and having a generally positive attitude and continuing to show up. I mean, why, why do most people fail is because they don't really start in the first place or they don't make that commitment. And, and, and that sounds right to me. I'm talking to myself for the most part here, but as I say that out loud, that sounds like the majority of what I've been successful at is that general attitude and showing up.
0: Showing up, being consistent, holding yourself accountable. It's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting. It sounds in a lot of ways, simple. Uh, but I would say it's not easy necessarily to do that year after year or decade after decade.
1: Yeah. I won't, I won't pretend I don't have fantasies of someone telling me exactly what to do when I wake up in the morning, do this job, go home and don't think about it ever again. And that's, that's great. That's a nice little fantasy. That's a nice break from what it is that I'm doing, but right. Reality sinks in and says that I've got a, I've got a really decent life. I've got a nice life and I have a lot of freedoms and, uh, you know, these days in particular, beyond the freedom, I'm seeking other things, and in general, it's it's just peace and the things that I do. And so that whole uh, Maslow's hierarchy of wait a minute, I grinded all this time thinking that retirement was some end goal, and realistically, I could be retired in my head every day. What do I define retirement as? Yeah. Well, maybe that's the ability to do what I want when I want. And what's stopping me from? Doing that. When's the last time I even did that? And I think back. Wow, I was like six or seven years old. So I had this stuff figured out when I was a kid. And as I became an adult, I lost track of why that was so successful and why I felt so at peace and so free as a kid. All these rules started bearing down, and they're self-imposed rules. I, you know, no one, no one force-fed them to me. I just, I looked around at society and said, "Oh yeah, that's the way I need to do it." I got, I'm going to go do what this person's doing. And it's a it, it is a bit of a trap. And I think is if you're not able to get high level and see yourself through the lens of someone other than yourself, the ability to reflect, the ability to yeah, right, be outward and kind of look in and say, Hey, what's this human over here doing? And why are they doing it? That's when I think uh, you know, my eyes started to open up a little bit more. And it's like, wow, I'm just grinding and grinding and grinding. Yeah, maybe I'm only working 35 hours a week. Maybe it's not as intense as other people. I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. and doing all these extreme things. But I felt very complacent. It was a very complacent place to be. And it it was just the same thing over and over. So sure, I was successful, but I was successfully complacent at some point. Um, I have worked for a
0: couple of businesses. Oddly enough, I have been in the training space as well. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And these businesses were small businesses with either absentee or semi-absentee owners and they stagnated they didn't they stopped innovating they started taking cash out of the business they stopped growing how do you keep that from happening how do you keep high level how do you not get into the grind of things how do you keep how do you keep the business innovating
1: i was and somewhat am one of those people and that's what has led to you know the current position of the company where we are pivoting and a lot of times, when you're so deep in it and you're in the middle of it, it it takes an aspect of ownership and definition of like, oh, that's me, this person that other people don't necessarily enjoy following along with, or maybe they're not innovating so much. And so that was a bit of, you know, a couple of years ago, a bit of that shock back awake of, is this a lifestyle business? What are our goals? Is it growth? Is it scaling? And I wasn't interested in growth and scaling. I wasn't interested in just making as much money as possible. Like that wasn't a very fulfilling thing. I think we've, we've proven that we're capable of making enough income to live our lives. Beyond that, what's the point? And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of introspection involved and it isn't just grind, 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 go, go, go. I, I really am not that type of person that doesn't resonate with me, that has very little appeal to me. And it comes back down to like what fills my life with purpose. And how can because we're running a business, how can we monetize some aspect of that to where we're living a really good life? And so a question that I pose to my team is, you know, if you if you could, you know, feel like you're enjoying yourself every day, like if you if you show up to work and you get to do your favorite things. And so we started polling ourselves internally: what are your favorite projects? Who are your favorite PMs to work with? Who are your favorite clients? Who are your least favorite clients? What are your least favorite projects? And so on. So I've been using a lot of uh, polling, questioning, interview processes to do a, a broader self-assessment that leads us back around to here's what it looks like when we're all living our best day at work and it doesn't feel like a grind and we all feel like we get to add our creativity to the mix. So that to me ended up being a lot more important than some monetary goal. But again, it took a, it took a few mess ups. Uh, I've hired a lot of consultants, spent a lot of money on things that just kind of got chucked in the trash as i've uh, as I've sorted out where it is that we're going. And so we're still kind of mid uh, pivot at this point, sorting those things out. but yeah, it's 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 rarely just black and white. Like, yeah, that's the person who grinds and shows up every day, or that's the person who's completely given up. I think there's a spectrum of of <laughs> where I'm at within that range. So one of those companies that
0: I worked for finally last year in 2022 sold to a larger company. Mm-hmm. is that a goal that you have for your business? will you or will you um, give ownership to the employees through some kind of stock purchase plan? What's the ultimate goal for the business?
1: I think it's I think it's a sustainable system in the end. What do I want to do? What do they want to do when everyone's in their happy place for lack of better terms and we're able to make Money that we want to make, we're not bringing work home with us at night. Nobody's working overtime. Everyone's paid and compensated and has benefits in the you know, in a way that supports their lives. That's okay. I think a lot of people can say, like, no, that's not okay. You got to hit that 10 million, the 20 million, this and that and the other. Realistically, you know, back to the gross versus the net income. A lot of people botch that, and they're so impressed with the numbers that they're bringing in, realizing that they're burning through a whole lot. We, we had a record year last year, and guess what? I had, I had record expenses as well, and we did double the amount of work, double the stress, all those things. The compensation at the end of the day was maybe 10% higher for a 50% increase in stress and work we weren't set up to support that much work. We had to outsource a ton of it. We scaled a yeah. team up to 25 something plus other developers, other PMs, layers of management, different things like that. And it just, it, it was a pretty stressful time. I was aware of what we were doing and why we were doing it. So I wasn't like, I was blind to the fact that, Hey, this is a bit of a bet and a bit of a risk, but yeah, in hindsight, it, Caused, I'd say, more damage than good overall. But that's a good mental reset of was it worth it? And if it's flat out, no, it wasn't worth it. Okay, well, let's try something different this time. And I mean, that's what life is—a lot of experiments. So I never, I've seen
0: that before. One of the companies I work for, they did, yeah, peak revenue, but the profit was level the year before. You know, sometimes if you're not set up that way, you can't support all of that.
1: And it's interesting. You see a. a someone in the same industry pulling in 10 million and you're doing 800,000 and your profits higher than their 10 million profit or their 10 million gross profit. It it happens. It literally, I've seen it (laughs) multiple times. It's just like, Hey, there's something there. One is a life that I'd like to live. And one is a life that I would not envy or or put on anybody. It's just stress, stress, stress for the sake of scaling. Why? A lot of times because society told me that's the way to run a business is to scale as big as possible. And to your point, if you don't have this end goal, which is, let's say, I want to sell it for a 10X, like a lot of people running a software as a service company, ramp it up, Get a subscriber base, sell it, move on, ramp it up, get a subscriber, you know, build a team, whatever that is. And they just repeat, repeat, repeat. Okay. Well, that's your life's mission to go and scale and build all these little businesses. Sure. The thing is they've defined it, they own it and they do it. But if something is a little bit more of that lifestyle business, I, I don't really know any other life. And that can sometimes be a pro and a con. Like I don't really know any other way to do what I do. And despite my fantasies of working in a corporate office for maybe two days before I get sick of it, I'd probably regret that pretty quick. (laughs) (laughs) So most, uh, the, the biggest
0: chunk of listeners, and I I go through these numbers at the end of every year are say like 25 to 40 years old. That's kind of where our bell curve peaks in that range. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you have advice for anyone who, is starting a business or maybe has been running one for a little while, what are some things that you've learned on this journey that you would like them to know?
1: I'll speak on the things that have served me the best and whether that applies to your life or not, whoever's listening, obviously that's a decision and an experiment that you need to run. So the first thing that I did was I started investing very early. I read some statistic last night that people in their thirties and forties are just starting to get into their 401ks or their Roths or whatever that may be. I started when I was 16. My dad happened to invest a little bit. This is back when you'd see the stock ticker once every Sunday in the paper. Uh, it was not the obsessive, emotional game and roller coaster on the one minute charts that we see these days. That sort of started me off. Uh, my brother got hired at a company called Lucent Technology. And went on to get into mobile phone game and and all these other different things and ended up at Google. And so we would sort of invest in the companies that he got hired in. And so between 16 and 18, I dabbled in a few of those things and it was just like, oh, hey, my brother works there and these are pretty big names. Let's invest in this thing. So it might be 600 bucks, but it was 600 bucks of my own money working from the coffee shop or the factory job, whatever that was. I got a job landscaping with a neighbor who did that and explained at depth what investing meant. And he was talking about just more of the seasonal emotional flow of certain things. So in retail, okay, well, there's a spike during the holidays. And I I started to get a little bit more nuanced into all the emotion, all these other things that are involved. Long story short, I I got excited about investing. And so since I was 16, I've been pretty consistently investing. And whenever I had any extra money, hundred bucks, 200 bucks, I would invest it. And I've gone years where 60, 70% of what I earn goes straight into investments. And so I'm never at a loss for where to put my money because I don't just go buy obnoxious things. I tend to put a vast majority of it into investments, whether that's the 401k, um, crypto or, you know, general stock market. So that's a that's probably one of my happy places is watching the stock markets. I've always been a fan of that. I've learned a lot of life lessons from from doing that. The other thing was having those backups. And so I learned fairly early on that a line of credit is a is an awesome tool, and it's saved. I would say it saved my stress. It hasn't saved my company because we've never been in really bad shape, but it 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 reduces stress quite a bit, knowing that in a moment's notice, I can pull out hundred grand or 200 grand without asking anyone for permission at 4% interest rate. And so most of my interest payments for the entire year will be 50 bucks. Cause that's how briefly I borrow that money. But sometimes I need that 50 grand to tide something over a client hasn't paid payrolls in. I know the money's coming in at some point. That's been a really, really great safety net. So as far as emotional peace goes and reducing stress that alone, I say, I, I think, has calmed me and helped me out in many ways. And anytime I talk to a new business owner or someone getting into that, I'd say, as soon as you can get a line of credit, go for it. It's some of the cheapest, most flexible money that you can get. A lot less stress than like a 20-something percent interest credit card, which I do use credit cards. I just pay them off every month. And yeah, getting good at managing debt and using debt, leveraging debt, and all those things are great. I'm not an anti-debt person but I'm a huge fan of not having dumb debt. Like I paid off my mortgage very, I I always have a game. If I buy a house, I try to pay it off within five years. Hmm. Whatever that means, like it's it's uh, like the amortization schedule is a game to me. And so I think, hey, if I put 50 bucks in every month, what would that save me versus paying this exactly on schedule? Oh, wow. For every hundred bucks a month I put in, it saves me $40,000 long, you know, whatever it is. And it's just these obnoxiously large numbers. So for whatever reason, that's, that's appealed to me quite a bit. That's cool. We've got investments, we've got lines of credit. And then I'd say the last one is yeah, just showing up every day and maybe not latching onto something because I could have been more flexible, but my thing has always been responsiveness and customer service. You could redefine that as Reactive, people pleasing, but sometimes those negative traits turn out to be what allows success in your life in the first place. And so, what maybe fails in some levels, you succeed in other levels, and you sort of train your mind to latch onto those attributes and just keep doing it over and over again. Uh, a lot of people don't bother to pick up the phone. A lot of people don't want to take your money, and so being the person who picks up the phone, who responds to the email, and who is you know responsive and quick to reply has served me really well. And so maybe I lacked in all my business structure and operations types of things, but hey, I'm there when you need me. I do what I say and we over-deliver, things like that.
0: That's definitely big in my business. The short-term rental business is that quick responsiveness to guests. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, again, it's just interesting to see how easily in some ways you can set yourself apart from the competition. I wanted to mention that it sounds like you've diversified some of your net worth away from just your business. That's something that I've seen on social media lately is these business owners who are millionaires, they're millionaires and you realize, oh, like it's just their business.
1: I've always valued my business at zero. And it's not because I think that that's actually what it's worth. It's just, it's that it's such a fluctuating asset. If I died, how much value would there be in my business? You know, and that's, that's really what started a lot of our operations kick An employee brought up um, someone, I think close to one of his family members died and the business fell apart in a couple of weeks. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What would happen if, you know, if what's floating around in my brain wasn't there, how long would this even last? And so that's, that specifically is what, what kind of kicked this off. So to, in that respect though, I don't want to hype myself up and fantasize that I'm on this massive asset that I can live off of necessarily. Now, it it brings in the income that I live off of. However, I don't think of it as like, oh, yeah, when I sell this thing, it's going to be worth more than X, Y, or Z. I I really don't even have a number for that. And it's not that I'm looking down on it. I'm just trying to be as practical uh, and fiscally conservative as possible in my estimation on, on where I'm at and what I could live off of or what I actually have. So yeah, the diversification outside of it's been really important. Um, Majority of it's stock market. I tried rentals. It wasn't for me. I wasn't in the right mindset to handle it. I do enjoy the stock market because it basically for no staff, very, very little time. If you're doing high level dollar cost averaging, it really just takes no energy. And if you're used to swings, if you can handle 40, 50% swings and still be dollar cost averaging in and buying the blood at the bottom, I mean, you're set. Do that for 40 years. It's it's very, very difficult to not win and be set up pretty well if you're if you're consistent in your dollar cost averaging.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up?
1: Don't shy away from assessing yourself later in life. Your 20s maybe look like this, your 30s maybe look like this, but don't don't take that trajectory as the end all be all only path through life. Uh, back to my talk on complacency. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think there's an element of being introspective and deep that can serve you. And there's an element that can be depressing and you get deep in the weeds and you get stuck. So having, having some good friends, some people to roll ideas off of, consistent conversations, and just understanding that even as an adult later in life, you can change is probably my biggest takeaway from the last two years. Just because it's been this way doesn't mean that that's the way it will always be. And so not accepting your fate or being dramatic to that extent. There's work to be done every day until you die. Nothing just coasts. If you let it coast, that's where that disappointment or that complacency or whatever those other feelings that come into play are where you start questioning a lot of your your life. So yeah, embrace new things read a lot and uh, talk to people.
0: And where can people get in touch with you?
1: I'm generally on LinkedIn and I think you're going to post a, I probably butcher the link, but it's probably forward slash Eric Bort is the LinkedIn. And uh, we're at clearlytrained.com. And launching a new website later this week. Pretty excited about that.
0: After nine years
1: of stagnating, I'm not much on web updates, but (laughs) love that. Keeping it moving.
0: You guys can follow me on Twitter at Adulting is Easy, YouTube at Adulting is Easy, Instagram at Adulting is Easy, Real. And of course, housemoneymedia.com as well. If you like this episode, you may also like episode 95 about entrepreneurship. Just start. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Hopefully Eric and I have made adulting a little easier for you.